been a busy, busy couple of weeks, and I have to be honest with you, this past week, I thought, you know, I'm going to preach a message Sunday morning out of my uh, library of years and years and years of sermons, and uh, I thought that's what I would do, and then the Lord uh, began, I think it was Tuesday morning, He dropped something in my spirit, these words that I simply titled this message by this morning, and I believe that once again, He has a word that He wants to communicate to some people today. So we're going to be reading just four verses of Scripture, uh, found in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, if you'll stand with me all over the room, very, very familiar passage of Scripture, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth, even the young people, shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments. Just simply, it's worth the wait. Can I get a witness this morning? It's worth the wait. If you will... Pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for these precious people. Thank you for the worship that we've experienced already today. Thank you for your presence that we feel right now. Thank you for your word, Lord, that has been read, Lord, audibly today. I pray for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance and distraction that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving what you're speaking to your people today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay to deliver your words and not mine. And let your word come forth today in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint every ear of every hearer and every heart to receive. Lord, what you're speaking to us today. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Most of us have heard the old saying, good things come to those who wait, right? Good things come to those who wait. But we also find ourselves living in a society that is, it is based on instant gratification. If you're hungry, go to the microwave, you'll be eating in just a couple minutes. If you want your dream car, Go to the car lot, sign on the dotted line for that loan. They probably won't even verify your income, but you will be stuck with the payment. But you'll be driving that car in just a matter of minutes. And, you know, many years ago, there would be, uh, when one would be in the service or one, another one would be gone away, there would be months and months of pining for uh, a reply from somebody's true love. And that's uh, replaced now by a simple send click button on a phone, and then everybody wants an instant response. Um, if at a restaurant or somewhere, if a wait time can beat expectations, then people leave that experience feeling positive about it. But if it takes longer than expected or if there's a lack of feedback, it's kind of like that little buffering icon on your computer that just spins and spins and you don't think it's ever going to end. The fact is that nobody really enjoys waiting. 
I've never come across anybody who really enjoyed waiting. And in this passage of Scripture that I've read to you this morning, we find some wonderful attributes of God. In the first few verses, verses 28 and 29, we find these wonderful attributes of the God that we serve. But then we get on down to verses 30 and 31, and we find a promise to us in this passage of Scripture. And as believers, we already know from what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 that the promises of God are yes and amen. That means that they are guaranteed to come to pass. If this book says it, then God will do it. Can I get a witness this morning? If it doesn't happen today, though, I want to encourage you, wait on it. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, continue to wait on it. If it doesn't happen the next day or the next week or the next month or even the next year, just keep waiting on it. If it is a promise from God, it is guaranteed that it will happen. You just keep waiting on it because if you do, I promise you this morning, it will be worth the wait. Can I hear an amen? Sound like a golf clap this morning. <laughs> great endurance produces great reward. Let me say that again. Great endurance produces great reward. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 and 36 says this. Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise. Listen, this has some ingredients in it here. First of all, you need endurance. Second of all, you must do the will of God. And after you've had endurance, you've endured and you've done the will of God. Then you will receive the promise. See, there's a lot of things going on in the church world today where we like to quote and, and say we're going to stand on the promises of God, but we don't want to keep the formula that God has given us in the Word in order to receive the promise. Are you with me this morning? You've got to have endurance first. That means you've got to stick with it. Then you've got to do the will of God, and then you can receive the promise. That's why a lot of people quote and say, He's going to forgive our sin and heal our land. He's not until we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. That's when the Bible says then will he hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. We've got to endure. You have to stick with it. You have to do the will of God and then you can receive the promise. Several years ago there was an experiment on endurance that was conducted at the University of California at Berkeley. This experiment involved placing Norwegian field rats in a tub of water where they were forced to swim until they grew exhausted and finally drowned. During the first experiment, the researchers discovered that on the average, these rats were capable of swimming for over seven hours before drowning. A second experiment was conducted exactly like the first one, but with one exception. And this time, when a rat was getting too exhausted to swim any longer, the researchers would remove the rat from the tub of water for just a few seconds and then put the rat back into the water to continue swimming. These rats were able to swim for almost 20 hours, almost three times longer than the other rats before perishing. 
The researchers concluded that the rats in the second group were able to swim so much longer than the first group because of one factor. And that factor was they had hope. I don't know if there's anybody else besides me in the room this morning that has been there where you felt like in life situations and circumstances you were swimming as hard as you could go but you were about to drown. You felt like you were just about to give up, to give in, and to go under. But just when you thought you were about to make your last stroke and take your last breath, there was a hand that came down out of that reached down and picked you up and gave you a rest and then it set you back down and you began swimming again. That's called hope. Is there anybody in the house this morning that will say, I've been there where I thought I was drowning and going under, but Jesus reached down and rescued me. Once you've been there and once the Lord has rescued you, that gives you hope that when you face other circumstances in this life, that if he did it once... He'll do it again. And that's what kept those rats swimming was the fact that ever so often a hand would reach down, pick them up, and give them hope. You see, hope combined with faith increases the endurance level that's needed to produce the desired change or outcome. Anything less than that leads to defeat and mediocrity. And God hasn't called any of his children to live a mediocre life. Christians are not supposed to merely endure change. We're supposed to be agents of change. We're supposed to produce change. We're supposed to cause change. And I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time that you did something positive and significant for the kingdom of God that caused a change in your own life? Also, I want to ask you, when was the last time that you did something Positive and significant for the kingdom of God that caused change in somebody else's life. You know, this past week was, I returned to the office after wedding week. And uh, I had things piled up on my desk here to do at the church. And I had uh, people that were uh, needing pastoral care attention and things like that. And Monday night was also the open house event for our uh, child care center. And we have... uh, As of September the 6th, when Corbin schools start, we will have 94 little children of God and some not of God running around back there every single day. I was here for open house, I can tell you. But no, they're they're precious. But 94. And we, we were getting ready for open house, and we had that. And all of these different things were going on, and I was just busy, busy, busy. And Donnie Thomas calls, and he says, Pastor... He says, and I'm just being transparent and real with you today. He says, Pastor, he said, I, I have a man that, that uh, I think that you might can help, that you might can talk to him and can help him. Now, I didn't know any details or anything, and he didn't necessarily tell me any details, but I, I was thinking, wow. So I said, who, who is it? Because I had so much going on. I was like, who is it, Donnie? And he begins to tell me, and, and, and I didn't know the name, and as of yet, he didn't go to church here. And, and I thought, I, and instantly, you know, so many times, and I even preach and teach this, being able to discern the difference between good things and God things, right? And sometimes other things are distractions that take your attention away from God things. But sometimes we can think that the good things are the God things. Am I losing anybody yet? And, 
and we, we can kind of get out of kilter. And I was, I was this close on the phone because Monday was so crazy. I was this close to saying, okay, Donnie, I'll be glad to help, but let me schedule him in for another day this week. And, and I want to tell you, you don't hear me say things like this often, but I was on the phone and those words were about to leave my mouth, Tammy, when I heard a voice speak in my ear that said, no, this will be the most important thing that you do today. And I sat there in silence for just a second. And, and I told Donnie, I said, can you bring him down? He said, we'll be there in about 30 minutes. And they came on down and we talked. I had no idea what, what actually needed to happen. I knew that he was going through a hard time in his life. But the more we talked, the more I realized that at the root of everything was that he hadn't ever accepted the Lord as his personal Savior before. And I said, have you ever accepted Jesus? And he said, no, I haven't. And I explained the plan of salvation. Just took the time to explain the plan of salvation and how simple it is. We didn't even make it to the sanctuary to pray. We prayed in my office. I was crying. He was crying. Donnie was crying. And David Baker is sitting right beside Donnie this morning and gave his life to Jesus this past Monday. Now what if I had been so busy with everything else that I said, no, I need to put that off to another time. Folks, we need to know the voice of God. Can I get a witness this morning? We need to hear the voice of God. And I thank God that David Baker is here this morning. And guess what? David Baker is going to get baptized in Laurel Lake on September the 4th. David, we're so glad that you're here today and so thankful for what God is doing in your life. Church, I ask you, when was the last time that you did something positive and significant for the kingdom of God that caused change in somebody else's life? See, Christians are supposed to cause change. But far too many people, far too many people are running their spiritual race in this life without the confidence that's required to sprint across the finish line. Far too many people say, as long as I make it to the finish line, that's all that's required. Far too many people in churches nowadays want to say, how much can I do and get by with and still be saved? Instead of saying, how much of me can I give up and how much of Jesus can I get? Can I get a witness this morning? It reminds me of the old story of a farmer who rode his mule to town. And just as he got to the edge of town, the mule decided he wasn't going to go any further. You ever heard the saying, stubborn as a mule? He wasn't going to go any further. So the farmer began to tug and to pull, trying to get this mule to finish the journey. And the farmer began to plead and to promise and anything he could do to coerce that mule to complete the journey. But the mule was content with just staying where he was. And nobody or no thing was going to change his mind until he was ready. Now, it sounds like some of us as we get older. Right? As long as I can make it to the finish line. Kind of thinking. And the old cliche, as we get older, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Listen, many years ago, a physical therapist taught me how to adjust Angie's back when it gets out of line. I think I gave her about three adjustments or four after wedding weekend. And she was just like, I don't know. I think I'm old and feeble. <laughs> I said, no, we're, not. we're only 46. We're not old and feeble yet. But the old cliche, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. That gets more relatable with every ache and every pain. And I hate to tell you, when I go upstairs now, I hear my left knee pop. Anybody, anybody else like that? All the time. And I'm just like, that never used to happen. But I think that that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said for us to run this race with endurance. 
No matter how things may look, are you with me? No matter how things may feel. See, as Pentecostals, a lot of times we get too guilty of being hooked on a feeling. You ain't always going to feel it, folks. We need to endure and run the race no matter how things look, no matter how things feel, or no matter how things seem. We read in verse 31, and Jordan's going to put it back on the screen for us, that says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I ask you this morning, who are those? Who are they? I'll tell you who those and they are. Those and they are us. As we have faith and as we endure, as we keep on keeping on, as we keep waiting, as we keep trusting, as we keep believing, as we keep serving God, as we keep going to church when we don't feel like it, as we keep paying the tithes when it looks like the bank account is low, as we keep praying when it seems like we're not going to get the answer, as we keep showing up and serving even when it's not convenient those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint I want to tell you something this morning when things are going good and life continues to fall in place and everything is just going great that's when trusting God is easy but trusting God it's sometimes not so easy when everything's not going as planned. When things aren't falling into place. But whether or not you endure and whether or not you trust God, those are the very first things that we should do in every situation regardless of what happens. Here's why. As long as we trust God, then God is responsible for everything associated with everything. You ever thought about that? There's no detail of your life that is not covered when you trust God. Completely trusting God encompasses everything that's associated with your life and it makes God responsible for the results that His Word declares and not you. You take the responsibility off of yourself, but yet when you choose not to trust Him, and when you lean to your own abilities and your own understanding, because you will face things in this life you do not understand. And when you trust your own abilities and your own understanding, that makes you the only person in charge of the results. And I want to ask you a question that I've asked myself many, many times. When you're in charge of the results, how's that work for you? It doesn't go very well. Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. See the question is, on whose path do you want to endure the walk on? Yours or God's? I can tell you that God's path and God's way of thinking is amazingly more easy to endure than the path of our own self-effort. I don't use it a whole lot, but I love to go to the message version and read how it translates a passage of scripture sometimes. And this morning I'm going to share with you from the message. Romans chapter 8. Nine verses beginning with verse 31. He said it like this. He said, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? 
If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think that anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing. Even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Paul said, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, nothing angelic or demonic, nothing today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I want to tell you this morning, it may not look good. But it don't separate you from the Lord. He might feel distant at times. But don't get hooked on a feeling. Just keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep believing. And I promise you, it will be worth the wait. Now I want to say this today because sometimes life certainly can be and sometimes life certainly is unfair. Just unfair. And did you know that the accuser that we just read about, he never plays fair. Never. He'll use anything he can to steal from you. He'll use anything he can to destroy you and those around you. He'll use anything he can to keep you from enduring and enjoying the journey to your destiny. And this might seem like a silly question, but did some of you know this morning or have you somehow forgotten that you have a destiny? See, there's, there's two paths for all of us. One leads to the reward, to your reward, and one leads to your destruction. On both paths, a person chooses to follow, and it has a destiny tied to it. Eternal life or eternal death. But as long as God is directing your path, as long as God is directing your way, you have a great destiny. It's a great plan that the Lord has laid out for you to walk in. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. Make that personal this morning. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan is to prosper, to enrich, to bless each and every day of the journey that you walk with Him your whole life through if you choose to trust Him. Now, Pastor, will there be distractions and disappointments along the way? Absolutely. You better believe there will be. And you also better believe that when those things happen, the accuser is very sly. He's very clever. And he'll attack you from every angle. And he knows that for some, all it takes is to remove the wind out of their sail of endurance is just a little bit of good old-fashioned condemnation. Just a little bit of good old-fashioned reminder of what you used to be. For others, just a little bit of good old accusation that if you had done this and not done that. 
And for others, just a little bit of doubt and a little bit of stress and a little bit of anxiety and all of that compounds. But let me tell you something this morning. If you're not careful, anything can become a focal point and a dwelling point with us, but we don't need to be distracted. And the last thing that we need to do in our lives is to be looking behind us. Yes, we will go through terrible times in this world. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but looking behind yourself takes your eyes off of the prize. Looking behind you will never be identified as endurance. That's why when you get in your vehicle, when you leave this church, your windshield is this big and your rearview mirror is this big because what's ahead of you and where you're going is far more important than what's behind you or where you've come from. We need to look towards the future because I promise you, you might have been through some stuff, but your best days are yet to come. God has a plan for your life. And thank God for His grace and mercy that assures us that every day is a fresh day to start over. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 4. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, listen. When troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, watch this, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. After spending three and a half hours enduring long lines, rude clerks, and insane regulations at the Department of Motor Vehicles, a man stopped at a toy store to pick up a gift for his son. He brought his selection, which was a baseball bat, up to the cash register. The clerk said, cash or charge? And very snappingly, the man said, cash. And then he apologized for his rudeness and he explained, I've spent my entire afternoon at the Motor Vehicle Bureau. And the clerk sweetly asked, shall I gift wrap the bat or are you going back? I know that's funny, but the reality is sometimes life situations, listen to me this morning. I know that was funny, but this is serious. Sometimes life situations tempt us to want to go back there and change something or correct something or maybe correct all the wrongs that have been done to us and we relive going back to what ifs can destroy your life. All of us folks, the reality is, and I'm almost finished this morning, all of us have had things done to us that should not or we feel like should not have taken place. We've all gone through things that we question. But I want you to know that God knows about each and every single incident and He has never forgotten one time anything that took place against you. But folks, we have to be confident in the words and the promises that God gave us. This is why it's important that you do more than just go to church. If all you do is come to church and worship, you're, you're fooling yourself. All you're doing is giving yourself something to feel a little bit better about once a week. But it's important that you know the word so you can stand on the promises of the word. 
Because most of what's going to hit you in the face will take place between Monday and Sunday before you ever get back here. That's the difference between a shallow church and a deep church. When you know the Word and you can stand on the Word and it's more than just being hooked on a feeling, you can hold to God's Word even when times are not good. Even when the situation looks bad, you can stand on the Word of God. Listen, you don't need to let the Word of God become an old cliche or some type of spiritual lingo when you hear it that you lose sight of the power and the significance that it holds, that it gives us to endure this race. Because when God instructed, if we believe that, the Bible says that holy men of old roped as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost and that every, every word, every doctrine is, is, is given, uh, was inspired by God. If we believe that, then we have to believe that when God ins- instructed the Apostle Paul for the words to be written in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, you know what Paul said? He said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. All things. That means everything. And then in another translation, I love the way it says this. It says, God causes everything to work together. See, that might mean that you might be going through something, but it does not mean that God can not take that and use it for your good and turn it around and to bring something out of it bring a blessing out of the adversity that's far beyond what your imagination can even think of or comprehend that's why the word says now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask watch this or think according to the power that's at work in us God can turn everything around but you've got to know the promises of God believe the promises of God and stand on the promises of God I'm reminded this morning of a story actually I come across this this week and read this and we don't talk about it much I guess being from where we're from probably people talk around it around talk about it around the world much more than we do but story of a man who was born in the late 1800s He was one of several children, and being the oldest, he took care of the younger children, and he began to cook for them at the young age of seven years old. His father died when he was very young, leaving him even more responsibility. And I read this week that he worked many jobs in his life. As I read his story, I counted over 20 different jobs and careers that he pursued throughout his life. Some I knew and some I didn't. He became a ferry boat captain. I didn't know that one. A railroad conductor, I had heard that. Had no idea he had been a lawyer, a tire salesman. I knew he had been a gas station and a motel operator. And he even became a restaurant entrepreneur for a while and he served in the U.S. Army. But this man was known for a man to have a temper. And it would flare up quite often with those that he didn't agree with. And that made his chances for success seem unattainable. And that explains all the different jobs that he had. And after his failed attempt of having his own restaurant, he went into the business of instructing other people how to prepare and cook food his way for a restaurant that he owned. And that would make his name Colonel Harlan Sanders and his brand Kentucky Fried Chicken. Household names around the world forever. Eleven herbs and spices, and after 73 years, did you hear me this morning? 73 years of endurance. 73 years of waiting. He was not a millionaire in the first 73 years. But when he sold his company in 1964, he sold it for multiplied millions of dollars. 
but he had to endure. Listen, I'm not at all, I hear a lot being from this area about Colonel Sanders and his lifestyle. I'm not, I'm not at all upholding his lifestyle or his character as a spiritual man because he was not that. But I want to tell you this morning, the gift of endurance is an amazing gift. Walt Disney filed bankruptcy multiple times before ever succeeding. The gift of endurance is an amazing gift that can change your life. But I want to tell you, the gift of endurance is an amazing gift that the Spirit of God can give to us to be able to run our race, to be able to have hope and faith that no matter how things look or might turn out, they will turn out. And with God's help, they will turn out better than we imagined. If they come to the music this morning, I don't know what you may be going through today. Just like Colonel Sanders, you may have a lot of adversity, a lot of things happen in your life. You know, I can relate slightly to that because I lost my dad when I was nine years old. My mother worked three jobs just to keep the double wide trailer that we lived in. Now, I don't try to give you a sob, dirt poor story, but we did not have a lot. It was a nice double wide trailer, but it was a double wide trailer, and that's what we had. She worked three jobs to keep it. From the age of nine until becoming an adult, I had no real male influence in my life. I craved it, I had uncles, but they weren't around. That's just the facts. There were people that said about me, that boy will never amount to nothing. There were people that said, he'll never do anything. I was raised in up a road in Knox County, a little bit of a rough area. It's drug territory now for the most part. A lot of people thought I was headed the same direction. But God. I said, but God. But it takes endurance. When we planted this church nine years ago, there was somebody that looked me in the eye and said, that won't last six months. But I'm here to tell you, over nine years and a hundred souls later, she's still going strong. Because of me? No. Because of God. But there's a lot of people that played a part in enduring through that process. Listen, I want to tell you this morning, your life may seem like a jigsaw puzzle with all the pieces just in a piled up mess. Does anybody ever feel that way? Just a piled up mess. But if you will let the Lord, He wants to put them together and create a beautiful picture and a future for you that you can't even imagine. He'll walk with you. He'll run with you. And I can testify to you this morning. He'll even be there with you when you cry. I believe the Lord collects tears when we cry. And most importantly, He'll endure the fire with you. Because He has a destiny for your life. So I came to tell somebody this morning, don't give up. God had a plan for you before you were even you. You know, this past week I went to the funeral home. I don't even remember what day that was. It was after Monday. 
And I just really needed to run in and pay some respects and run out. It wasn't anybody related to the church, but somebody I wanted to, to pay respects to. And I walked in and I got detained for about 25 minutes or so. I ran into a man, no affiliation to this church, but a man, a good Christian man whose funeral I was called on to preach a few years ago. He passed away at 42 years old. And his dad stood in the funeral home and looked at me. And, and this is a good Christian man, been in church all of his life. And he said, Sean, he said, I'll never forget something you said at Kevin's funeral. He said, my wife and I all the time, we go back to Psalms and we read. All the days of our lives were written down in your book before the first one of them ever came to be. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I want to tell you. You're looking at somebody that knows what loss is. I lost my dad when I was nine. I lost my mom when I was before I turned 31. I know what loss is. You've got people in this congregation this morning. Some of you that I'm talking to, there are people in this congregation this morning that can tell you what loss is. That have lost children. They've lost spouses. They've lost things. They've lost people. But I want to tell you this morning, none of that takes God by surprise. There comes a point in a place in our life where we have to stand back and realize and recognize. All of my days were numbered before the first one ever came to be. I've told my children for a long time, Daddy may not always be here to tell you, but you remember what the Word of God says. Listen, folks, all of our days were numbered before the first one of them ever came to be. Don't question God. But know that God has a plan. He might have already taken somebody you love on to heaven. But God still has a plan for your life. God still has a plan and a destiny for you. And you still have a work to do. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. I don't know what you're waiting on from the Lord. But for some reason, I know that I planned on preaching a sermon out of my library of... 13, 14 years of sermons but God prompted me this week to encourage somebody who was waiting to keep waiting to keep trusting and to keep believing you may be tired and weary right now but scriptures promised us what God will do if we wait and listen you got to be in shape to run and not get weary can I get a witness that's something I'm trying to work on right now again once again in my life but anyway you got to be in shape in order to run and not get weary Abby was telling us that Friday flying home they had to go back through customs and customs line was backed up and they were there a long time and by the time they got through customs they told them they said you better check your luggage in and run to the gate to see if you can get there so she said they checked their luggage in and she said her and Jordo took off running she said I learned one thing daddy I said what's that she said I gotta get back in shape again she said Jordo just took off running I got about 15 seconds in and thought I was gonna have an asthma attack and die she don't have asthma she said I gotta get back in shape listen we gotta get back in physical shape till we get to a place where you can run and not get weary and they tell me that in order to do that, you train with endurance. And listen, it don't happen overnight, folks. In the physical, it doesn't happen overnight. But they tell me that it's, and it's not fun and it's not easy. Can I, get, can I get a witness this morning? Sometimes it's not fun and it's not easy and it takes a while. But they tell me that when you get into shape, you come to a place where you enjoy running. 
Imagine that. Some of y'all only, would only run if somebody was chasing you. But they say you actually get to a place where you enjoy running. That's physical running. But can I tell you this morning, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, what you're going through spiritually, it may not be fun. You may not feel like doing it. You might have to make yourself get up day after day and run the race day after day. But I came to tell you, if you'll keep running, if you'll keep enduring, God is putting you in spiritual shape to where one of these days, right when you least expect it, you're going to mount up with wings like eagles. You're going to run and be like, hey, I'm not getting tired. You're going to walk and not faint, but you've got to endure. Scripture's full of people who prove it. I'll say this and I'll close. Abraham waited on Sarah for 25 years. Think about that. Abraham waited on Sarah for 25 years. Hebrews 6 and 15. Don't be looking for these on the screen. I didn't give any of these to Jordan. I'm going through them real quick. The Bible said in Hebrews 6 and 15, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Joseph had to wait in prison for his purpose. He did time for something he wasn't even guilty for. But we read in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, He said, You intended harm for me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joe had to wait through his suffering. James chapter 5 and verse 11. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job and you've seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. David had to wait to be anointed king. It didn't happen in David's timing but it happened in God's appointed time. Psalms chapter 40 and verse 1. David said I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Daniel taught us about fasting. That's a lost start in the church today and waiting for breakthrough in prayer. And We read in Daniel chapter 9 in verse 3 so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting in sackcloth and in ashes and you may not have realized this but Jesus himself waited 30 years on this earth to begin his ministry the Bible said the heavens were opened Luke chapter 3 verses 21 through 23 and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven that said you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased and then the word went on to say Jesus when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age Mary and Martha we talked about it two weeks ago waited four days after their brother had died and there's another story about a widow from Nain who was still waiting on God in the funeral procession but when Jesus showed up it was worth the wait when Jesus showed up and said Lazarus come out of that grave it was worth the wait when Jesus showed up at that funeral processional when everybody and every demon in hell had told that widow woman your son is gone there's nothing you can do for him see I always correlate this spiritually instead of physically because sometimes the devil will come to you and tell you your boy or your girl is gone there's nothing you can do but I want to tell you something you just keep praying you just keep trusting you just keep believing and when Jesus showed up when he says arise they'll get up and be who God called them to be when Jesus shows up it's worth the wait so if you're here this morning 
and you're not saved, please don't leave this place without accepting Jesus as your Savior. But if you are here this afternoon and you say, Pastor, I'm waiting on the Lord for something, would you take one step further as they sing? Would you just step out, find a place in this altar? And if you don't do anything else, you don't have to pray an eloquent prayer. You don't have to feel super spiritual. If you'll just come and find a place before God and say, God, I'm here and I'm waiting. I'm going to continue trusting. I'm going to continue believing because God, I know it will be worth the wait.